Yeah. Tommy feels. You're such a Tommy. Yeah. It feels a little bit more. It feels like I can be myself without having to like do Did anything. I, like tap dance? Like more wisdom. Hi, I'm Thomas. Are we recording? Is this You were happening? recording. You were recording. Okay. What's wrong with that? Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited that you're here. You are my first non-TV uh, slash film friend that I've known for a very long time. Cool. Because even though we've only known each other, and I say this in quotes, for probably like five, six years, we have known of each other forever because you're an L.A. kid. I'm an L.A. kid. It's all one and the same. People think that L.A. is really big, but I like to explain to people it's not. That once you know one person in the school district, you kind of know everyone. And around the same age group, everybody that grew up in L.A. kind of like. And everyone hooked up with one another. Tommy and I did not. I'm going to just clarify this right now. We did not. But he's dying right now. Cambria, his girlfriend, I love you. Um, Cambria and I, you know, we have a relationship. We go back. You guys hooked up. Um, Totally. Totally. but anyways, I'm so excited you're here because we were just talking to another one of my guests, Dave Nadelberg, outside, explaining what Brick is. But I don't want to get into that right this second. I kind of want to talk about how emotionally you went from being in this TV film world, working in it, to kind of having this aha moment of taking a step back and becoming what brick is yeah so um yeah i had a my background's in neuroscience but i spent about a decade working you're kidding me yeah you didn't know that are you kidding me i had no idea yeah so i went to school i was i went to a really great college in the hopes that i could be a doctor in case acting didn't work out at the time this kind of all makes so much sense now that you wanted to be a neuroscientist or that your background is neuroscience yeah and i was like i love the brain i love behavior and i was like let me become a doctor or research the brain in case filmmaking doesn't work out that was kind of the big idea when i I went to no idea this is so cool yeah and then when i graduated i was still doing neuroscience research at ucla okay while i was working at a film production company uh kennedy marshall and um yeah that so I, i basically at at around the same time that this long gestating neuroscience project got published i got this amazing opportunity to for a new position at a, at a new company. And I realized that I loved science, but mm-hmm. I loved the results of science. I didn't love conducting the science research. Oh, and interesting. I was like, let me try to bring my science interest into film. And so I basically had this career thesis for about the last decade that was like, how can I make science cool through this premium storytelling? Mm-hmm. And um, I... I got promoted at one point, and and my job was to explore what this film studio was going to do beyond film and TV. So, mm-hmm. like, what are we going to do in podcasts? What are we going to do on Instagram and YouTube and Snapchat? And I started to build a lot of these relationships with YouTubers and influencers and people who were super successful at social media. and Which I, is an art of its own, which I don't understand, but I... Uh, it is its own art, and it is exhausting, and it is a 24-7 job seeing what these YouTube and Instagrammers and all these people do. Like, people have no idea. Yeah, and that's it's a lot. I know, and it's and for the people that – I think a lot of people feel pressure about what they put on social media or they put online in mm-hmm. general. 
uh, for many different reasons, like because of its seemingly permanence or because of call-out culture and we're often judged for it. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. Also, we, we, I think, might feel a little bit of shame or guilt if what we do put online is not necessarily our authentic selves. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, I think, emotion there. And so for the people who are doing it for their job, like that are paying their rent on it, uh, there's there's um, plus with the algorithms of having to constantly create content to stay on top That's of exhausting. it and then keep up with the followers and the mm-hmm. fans that you create, you do feel this obligation to be on it all the time. Mm-hmm. And that was what I discovered that these kids who were younger than me were super successful, but they were incredibly anxious and isolated mm-hmm. and uh, and lonely and lonely. Yeah. And they didn't know that life used to be different before this kind of gamified dopamine boosted social media yeah. world. Like like at least we knew we grew up and our brains developed before the smartphones existed, but they, they kind of like developed in it. And so for them, this was just the, the way it was. And at the time, I knew that I had these compulsions to use my phone mm-hmm. and I wasn't really in control of my phone habits. I I was over consuming night, wake up in the morning from first thing in the morning to stopping my phone alarm clock, swiping and texting and checking email to sitting on a screen throughout the day to then coming home and swiping and scrolling again like all night. I mean, I was living my life on a screen and I couldn't do anything mm-hmm. about it. And so at the time I thought it was just my personal private shameful problem and your own anxiety that and it you was have, yeah right? and i didn't have anyone i didn't think anyone else was dealing with it and these kids these influencers made me realize that it was actually this epidemic this multi-generational epidemic that in 2017 no one was really talking about did these influencers come to you and say what they were feeling in their anxieties and their stresses and their depression because of it or you could just see it as someone you saw yourself in these kids I they 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 were perhaps they were confiding in me a little bit mm-hmm. of just being just the honesty of how uh, tough it was. Right. Um, they weren't like asking me for help. They wanted to like work with me, and um, were just giving me the realities of it. I think it was it's difficult to it was difficult for them to hide that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, that that kind of put me on this. Uh, loop of it first kind of released my personal shame around it because it wasn't just me. It was this, it was global mm-hmm. and we were all struggling with it. And I realized that nobody was talking about it and nobody, definitely nobody was trying to create solutions around mm-hmm. it. Um, and so I started investigating how to solve this problem for myself and then ultimately how to create a community that embodies these healthier phone habits. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how Brick was born, where we uh, we now say we're a grassroots movement for people who are dissatisfied with their relationship to screens and are looking to take better control of how they spend their time. And so we challenge our community to turn their phone into a brick mm-hmm. for a little bit every day and then do something that's meaningful to them during that phone-free time. And then we... It gives yeah. me anxiety. <laughs> Does it? Oh, my God. It gives me so much anxiety. Which part? Putting my phone down. And, like, that's something that I've been learning and I've been so aware and conscious of me forcing myself to do because of you. And and 
honestly, I think that my biggest anxiety that I have is not about the social media. It's not of that. I have this weird fear of something drastic and terrible is going to happen in my life, whether it be with my friends or my family or my mom or whomever it may be. And I'm not going to be on my phone, so I'm not going to be able to help. And that's where kind of my anxiety and my stress goes to. And it's less about the social media aspect of it. But I have literally, since you started this movement, been so aware of me having to put my phone down if I'm at a dinner. And I like literally will put it in my purse because I and, and if I check it, like I'll check it maybe every 30 minutes or 45 or hour, because if there is an emergency and there is a problem, at least I will be aware that it's there and right. like I'll be able to handle it. But I'm not looking at the phone throughout a dinner because you never realize how distracting and how fucking annoying it is when people are on their phone until you put your phone away. Yeah. Yeah. We have this. um have, that made no sense whatsoever. No, that made But like, sense. I just like no, was like felt very, sense. very strongly about saying yeah, this in this no, situation. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we talk. You and I talk about it a lot. Yeah. And you know, you voiced about how like there, there's um. You 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 have a relationship with your phone where you feel like you need to be on it a lot, and that's mm-hmm. I mean that's almost everybody. It's normal. And yeah, and we all feel that obligation that you're right. describing to be on it. And I think a lot of that is valid. And I think that what you're doing, just that self-awareness is so important. And Mm -hmm. it allows you to be like, okay, here's the situations where I do need to have my phone available. And here's the ones that I don't. And Mm -hmm. I have the conscious control to be able to put it away so I can be fully present. Mm -hmm. And you doing that at the dinners is amazing. And and I was just going to say we have this... um, this this list of this these guidelines basically that we call uh, digital wellness habits and that's one of them that basically one, one of them is when you're with other people that should be phone free time I completely be- agree because I think it's rude if if you're not yeah. and I'm guilty of it but I do I judge people <laughs> because of it because I'm like pay attention to me right and you can't multitask and we were just talking about this that there's yeah, there, there's no such thing as multitasking. Right, which has been like research. That, Right, research, um, research. See, yeah, my head was getting there, research. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, I can do a bunch of things at once. You can only put your conscious attention on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And what we do when we, quote unquote, multitask is it's just very quick task switching. Mm-hmm. And so we're going from my phone to that text I'm sending to, oh, that conversation that we're having and back to the text and, oh, like, what's that other notification? And so with that task switching... Uh, you're leaving what's called an attention residue and it just it actually increases anxiety mm. and and stress because mm-hmm. uh, you're 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 kind of it's like opening a bunch of tabs on the computer without feeling like you're ever completing any mm-hmm. of the conversations um, but yeah I mean we say that phone time uh, if you're gonna be with other people social time should be phone free time and then phone time should be solo time what are your thoughts on this okay I've had this so my dear friend David Haggerty, who we have a little subsection called sub show called Beauty in the Brain, and he's a neuroscientist. And so we have people, um, you know, from around the world write in their questions, and we answer it from my side and from his side. And he's bipolar as well, so we're very similar, but completely different at the same time, and have different approaches on things. And a lot of the questions that we get are talk, talking about being lonely, right? And we don't have um, a good solid group of community with us or we live in a very rural part of the country 
where there aren't a lot of people our age or there aren't people that struggle with mental health or they look down upon it or, you know, people in the LGBTQ community that can't be who they, you know, truly are and they can't express themselves because of where they are. What do you say to people who need that phone or that technology to stay in contact with others that aren't in their area? Like, how can we... How can we make change with technology and growing and getting that higher conscious level, but knowing that there are people out there that need that to stay in the world, to have their little like safe space? Yeah, I think that it's it. the short answer is it's about being intentional with your device. And so the mm-hmm. phone and what you're doing on it is not bad. We're not saying don't use your phone at all. Don't become right. Amish. Right. It's just saying if you use your phone and it's making you feel worse afterwards. Put it down. That's a problem. Right. If you use your phone and it makes you feel good because you just FaceTimed with your friend that you right. can't see in person, that's an authentic connection mm-hmm. and it makes you feel good. And that's a good use of technology. Mm-hmm. That's intentional use. Mm-hmm. The problem was when you reach out your phone to reach out to use your phone for something intentional and you get sucked into something unintentional. Right. And you end up being like, why did I spend those 45 minutes on Instagram? Or I just checked my emails five minutes ago. Why am I checking it again? Mm-hmm. I don't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, or why am I waking up and checking it in the middle of the night? That's disrupting my sleep. Or while driving, where it might actually be physically dangerous. And so um, if you are using screens in a way that does make you feel connected to others, I mean, why would anybody want? Nobody should change that. Right. Um, I do think that one of the goals, uh, I think I think the best way to use digital communications, if that's mm-hmm. kind of to get a little bit more specific, uh, is to connect versus to have conversation. Mm-hmm. And so the difference is connection is like, hey, Alessandra, do you want to come to an escape room next week? We've now connected. Which we love. Yeah. <laughs> more than anything in the world, we have done more escape rooms with each other right. than, than probably we should. But yes. Which we're overdue on. Very overdue. Uh, but so that's, that's using your messaging platform, whatever it is, WhatsApp, iMessage, anything, in a way that is going to bring us together in the real world. Mm-hmm. And we're not actually trying to have a conversation back and forth that's endless, like, hey, how was your day? Oh, it was pretty good. Kind of bad. Ugh. period. Sending emotions like then you're getting into the conversation back mm-hmm. and forth. And when you're doing that um, through text messaging, you are basically reducing the components of human interaction mm-hmm. to such a limited amount mm-hmm. that you don't actually get that. You don't feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So like when you and I are communicating, communicating right now, we're looking at each other eye and eye. You're seeing, uh, we're, we're hearing vocal intonations. Mm-hmm. We're seeing facial movements. There's pauses. I'm seeing your body language. Like there's literally thousands of inputs consciously right. and subconsciously that we're sharing here. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how you it's the same energy. People. We're in yeah. the same room. You know, it's yeah. like bouncing off the walls. Yeah. And when we're, when you and I are texting, you're taking all those thousands of inputs and reducing it to one input, which is well, purely the also, text. Well, w- also, the biggest problem that I find with text message is I'm such a personal uh, – it's not a personal person. I am personal. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I meant I'm a, um, an emotional person that takes things personally. So if someone were to send me a text that was pretty basic, you know what I mean? Like, will do, can't make it, thanks – 
I'm like, they fucking hate me. Yeah. Like, they hate me. I spin out. That's something I always do. I always spin out. And I go to the absolute worst scenario that they could be writing me. And I know that I'm not the only one that does this. Absolutely not. No. And that yeah. is so wrong because if we were in a room together, right, and you were like, will do, thank you so much, I can feel, like, the love and the positivity. There's so much room for error there because you're not hearing any tone of voice yeah you're not seeing them smile they can't give you a hug like it's easy to project passive aggressive energy yeah or straight up anger and and that's not really fair like you like then you're thinking of something it's kind of if it anything is wasting your time it's wasting your time it's wasting, wasting your, your energy, energy. Yeah. yeah so that that's kind of one of the one of the things that I try to watch out for is like, are yeah. you using the device to have a conversation? Right. Or are you using it just to connect? Right. And so with some people, uh, I mean, with 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 most people, like if someone's trying to have a conversation with me by text, like, hey, how's your day? Or like, did you like that movie? I'm like, can't talk right now. Let's schedule a call. Or like, I just FaceTime them right back. Yeah. I'm like, let's do face to face. Yeah. And then like. We can have the Which is so con- funny because I knew you pre this and you were someone that would be on your phone and like texting like crazy and yeah. emailing like crazy. So it's so funny to see like such a, a one – was it 180 or 360? Oh, both. But it's both. It's like a completely <laughs> different human 1080. It's like a completely different side of you and it's like this enlightened version of yourself. And I, I really want people to know that it's not like this juju shit, right? Like I believe in juju shit. But what you're doing is not like, ooh, come to my cult and let's sit here and we'll <laughs> meditate and we'll like, you know, get to a different, you know, conscious level. It's like, yeah, you're going to fucking naturally get to a different conscious level because of something as simple as bricking your phone. Yeah. And I really want people to know this. Also, what you do is you do these all – you have a social community, right? You have this community. But you also do these really cool events. And I'm guilty. I've not gone to the choir event because I'm not um, – I'm a singer of private uh, time. But I have a lot of friends and Sturgis goes – but you do these these events where everyone puts their phone away, mostly in a VHS old tape of, like, Disney, which is the coolest thing of all time. And then you have this phone-free event where people actually become friends and they have these conversations. And even as something as silly as we did karaoke one time and you rented out two karaoke rooms. And there were so many people there that I had definitely met a million times before, but I never had a real conversation with them. So I was like, oh, hey, how are you? But not having the phone felt like, okay, I'm here I'm forcing myself to be here for a certain amount of hours without my phone, and I'm going to enjoy every single minute of this. And just doing karaoke with strangers was so fun. Yeah, it's so simple. But so simple. People are just – what I'm so happy about is there's more people like me because, yeah, I had this problem to the max. Yeah. Like I was really struggling. I was – Again, not in control of my phone use. I was completely mm-hmm. dependent. And um, I needed structure. I needed permission to spend time off my phone mm-hmm. in social situations and by myself. And so that's what Brick is trying to create. We're trying to give people permission for the ones that are seeking it to just be fully present with mm-hmm. other people. 
we're trying to make phone free time cool. Like you, you can be on your phone. There's nothing wrong with it. But checking your phone is kind of like blowing your nose. Mm -hmm. It's fine to do, but nobody really wants to see you doing it. Yeah. Like go in the bathroom. Yeah. Or go on your own. And that's kind of the this culture that that we're creating. And yeah, I I consider it the anti-cult. Like I think Instagram is a cult. And I completely agree. It's trying to create you. It's, you know, cults it create certain expectations for yeah. you. It creates certain rules and guidelines. Like like for influencers especially, like, oh, I actually I have to post once a day. Or because I posted a inspirational post yesterday, now I have to post a photo of myself today and alternate I for my grid. Right, and, right. And, and, it, and I'm totally guilty of that. Well, I mean, that's, no, that's the and name I'm, of the game. And, and that, that's, that's just how like how it has to be. Yeah. And so we feel these obligations to be on it and have a certain number of followers to be relevant in whatever industry we're in. That's pretty culty. And so what we're Especially trying to- Especially when they're to, bot followers. I'm throwing yeah, shade fake to a followers. bunch of people out there. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it creates certain um, behaviors that are inauthentic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're trying to be like, hey- be yourself. Do whatever you want. We're going to all hang out over here without our phones. If you guys want to come, we're going to do stuff that we think is really fun. And we're building a community. Around well, and I think fun. it's also tough right now, right? It's like there's online dating, which I I loved in my time. But <laughs> for like a month, I feel like I did it for a month. But, you know, I think that that's another hard thing is people – are evolving and they're not just going to bars. They're not just going to clubs. They're doing all different kinds of, uh, whether it be hiking clubs or cooking or I don't know. There's so many different things that people are now a part of where they can meet other people. But this is a weird world we're living in because online dating has never been more popular. Mm. And it's it's like, how do you find that person? If you're, if I use the example of this, right? I knew a lot of guys and and girls who were doctors, and they don't have time to go to a bar. They don't have time to go to a club to meet someone. And they're not having the time, obviously, to joining a class or doing whatever they have to do to meet other people. So the only option they have is online dating. And it's like, well, fuck. Like, sometimes that works out, and sometimes you have, like, a complete creeper that's on there that you didn't want to be part of. And, you know, how is it do we think that people can kind of find the authentic connection in regards to love? Like, how do we think that – what can I say to, you know, my friends that are doctors who don't have that kind of time and have to be on their phone to have those personal connections? I'm asking well, you all the hard well, questions, I mean, Tommy. If they were in LA, I would say have them come to a brick event. Yeah, I mean, and that's <laughs> what I think you're ultimately trying to do is is have these things all over, at least all over the states of these communities where people can find each other. And if you're in LA, please go there because there's a lot of singles that I know all find each other and like fall in love and get happy. So that's we've had thing. people find their roommates at at um events it's it's really cool yeah a lot of people have started dating um i think that the best dating app is an app or something that isn't specific to dating i just feel mm-hmm. like uh going to it for that specific purpose um just inherently has certain components that uh make it difficult 
to be real that mm-hmm. it kind of raises the stakes in something that is already kind of where you're trying to lo- be low key mm-hmm. on the stakes and when you're meeting someone more casually for something that's not specifically dating like mm-hmm. i've always said i think of all the dating apps facebook is the best dating app ever made because it's not specifically about dating mm-hmm. it's like we could be connecting right. for networking or friendship or right. oh you're gonna friend zone me well that's fine because we have all these other opportunities right. uh too and um it allows you to yeah so i mean app wise there's that but it's about being specific with the choices that like the ones that you're going to be connecting on yeah seeking people uh seeking communities that align with your values and interests right. and so yeah i mean if you love cooking finding uh, uh cooking groups or cooking interest groups or you love physical activity and exercise yeah. A hiking group would be great. I mean, we try to do uh, a bunch of different types of stuff, and and um, especially in LA, I think um, everyone's in their cars. Mm-hmm. Everyone is kind of perhaps following their dream, and so it's they might quite be on a lonely place. Yeah, it's. The, I think I, I've heard that it's the best city to be in a relationship and the worst city to be single, mm-hmm. and so it's so difficult to meet people, and so I. I understand why the dating apps are so prolific. Like it's there's it's kind of seems like the only way. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do is uh, make it easier to to just connect more authentically in a mm-hmm. low stakes thing where, it, you know, doesn't need to end up being romantic interest, but you still feel a sense of connection. Right, right. And so what's the what's the next step for Brit? So what I'm really excited about now yeah. is uh, I'm turning, I've created this thing called the Brick Method, okay. which is a three-step program to improve your phone habits. Okay. And I've been doing this through one-on-one private coaching, and, and it's for motivated people who are like, hey, I, kind of like me, I'm struggling with my phone use or I want to improve, improve it. It's affecting my relationships or my sleep, uh, productivity, creativity, all that, all that. Sleep especially. I yeah, feel like so huge. many people can't sleep because they're constantly on their yeah. phones. And I recommend putting on, this is a side note, and we'll get back to this, but I always have my phone on do not disturb mode 24-7. Yeah. The only ones that I don't have it on there for is my boyfriend and my mom. Yeah. So, like, if there's something, an emergency, I can hear from them, but everything else, like, I love everyone, you're important to me, but... I can't hear the buzzing and the noise all the time because just the noises trigger something inside Absolutely. me. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you'll be checking it enough as it is. Yeah, I don't you need to. Enough, like, mm. You have enough internal triggers yeah. to see messages in enough time. You right. don't need an external trigger every time you get a message. And my phone ringer is Haunted Mansion, and I don't need it to be going off all the time because then it's not going to make it as special. So anyways. <laughs> so you, you have the brick method. Yeah, we have the brick method, and then we're taking that to uh, workshops and corporate teams and uh, starting to not just have a good time without our phones, which is great, and we've been mm-hmm. building this community, but actually starting to educate people on smartphone habits. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a behavior change program. Um, and, yeah, so I'm super excited about that. Amazing. So and, are you going to go all over and, like, tour with this and meet with different people? or? Yeah, I mean, starting in L.A. and um, – We'll see. We'll see. Co-working places, um, different teams that are trying to uh, increase employee mm-hmm. engagement and retention. I mean, because so many people, I mean, people spend hours a day doing non-work related stuff at their jobs. Yeah. Um, that is a detriment to productivity and keeping the employees happy at mm-hmm. the job. 
Um, so, uh, you know, that costs companies lots of money. So that's- Well, and you're helping the mental health side of it as well because that yeah. is what it really is. What it comes down to is yeah. you're helping people release that anxiety, get rid of that stress because we all have that and it's going to – it's inevitable that we all deal with anxiety every single day. So if there's one step that we can do to, you know, decrease it just a little bit, like that's that's what we need. Yeah. I think of what we're talking about here as digital wellness, Mm -hmm. which is – uh, healthy screen habits and, and having phone-free time or mm-hmm. screen-free time as a practice. It's, yeah. it's a practice, just like physical wellness is a practice. You're not physically fit after going to the gym once. you got to go multiple Speak times. Speak for yourself. I mean, some people, I don't get it. But, but, but yeah, it, you, need it's to, a, you have to consistently do it. Yeah. Yes. And um, you need to work. You need to carve out time in your day to go to the gym or to go on that hike. And you also have to do it with your nutritional wellness. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't focus on what you eat, you might eat junk food all the time and that's detrimental to your sleep yeah. and your productivity and health. And so, and also with your emotions, like if you're not focusing on uh, mindfulness or everyone has their kind of meditation or mindfulness mm-hmm. practice, that takes work too. And so I think of digital wellness as the fourth pillar of wellness. And mm-hmm. it's only with all of those components that you have a wellness lifestyle. So, what is the one thing that we can leave the emotional like support system that uh, that that we have all created here? What's the one thing we can let them know they should start with for the brick method? I think so so the method is all about stopping your bad phone habits. How can you break your bad phone habits and uh, live your dream life, live the life that you want to live. And so before you can really do that, you got to know, I mean, what what do you want your life to look like? Mm-hmm. What what are the components to your life? What are your goals? What do you want your life to look like uh, in the future? And it's only after you've established that and you've made certain goals concrete that you can then look at your phone habits and say, okay, which of these habits actually conflict Mm -hmm. with the type of person that I want to be or the amount of money I want to make or uh, the promotion that I want to get. And so uh, you then you you first. So the first thing is you need to assess, like, how do you want to use your phone? Like, Mm -hmm. What is what is what is intentional use and and what is unintentional? And once you get clear on that, then you can start to work on um, the other aspects. And I think if everyone just writes down just that start of how they can start it, it's so much easier to then keep moving with the other steps because you have to see the first thing and then go from there. Yeah, you got to know what you want. Yeah. And then see what you're currently doing, what habits are impeding that, which are conflicting with that. I'm going to ask you our final question. Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like setting this up like it's really dangerous. You're like, holy shit, he's like blushing right now. What makes you wake up in the morning and continue on with your life? Uh, so many things. I mean, I guess related to this conversation, I, you know how you were saying like I was struggling, like I, you saw me texting constantly mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I, I was, and I feel like I haven't, I'm still figuring it all out, but you know, something that did used to be my weakness, uh, I'm I'm now trying to turn into my strength where, you know, I have 
experienced the the depths of the problem and now that I ha- have solved this for myself to be able to uh, and getting good responses from other people where it's also helping them is just incredible mm-hmm. and um, it's uh, it it also just feels f- uh, future future proofing like mm-hmm. uh, two years ago when I when I started brick, digital wellness like the term didn't even really exist and now i feel like in the last year everyone's talking about uh their relationship with their phone and how now everyone knows phones are designed to be addictive i mean there's a lot more research that's come out and i i feel like um i have this amazing opportunity uh uh, through luck a lot of kind of having made this decision to go in this direction at a really kind of early stage where I can kind of set the tone and be a voice in this space and so I'm excited about that and seeing what what happens so how can everyone find you uh you can find us on our website gobricknow.com we're also on instagram gobricknow I have a personal instagram it's just tommy sobel and uh yeah, lots of like... shirtless pics on there. <laughs> yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, he is a taken man, so don't get any ideas. Are there a lot of shirtless pics? I no, check. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Listen, it's a tease. It's to get people to get on oh, there. Yeah. Okay, lots of shirtless, shirtless right pics. Now. Yes, shirtless right now. I love you so much, Tommy. I can't thank you I so much you for too. coming thank on the show. And um, everyone, go brick your phone. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Emotion. Al. Support.